Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Getting us ready in theology. Getting us to understand the love of God. And we must always understand the love of God is premier in what we must uh, represent to the world. We're the, we're the loving people of God. We do not indict, we do not cancel, we do not hate, we do not do any of those areas. We are the, the people of God, the citizens of the kingdom of God. So I must, I'm, I'm gonna jump into something. I have three parts to my message. I have the past, I have the present, and I have the future. Okay? So you stay with me on this? I have history, I have, I have destiny, I have uh, the church and its legacy, I have all that put together. But I want you to stay with me. There's two nations in the world that were set up by God specifically. One was Israel and one was America. It doesn't mean that we're more special than anybody else. It just means that God happened to establish our nation with a foundation of righteousness. I'm just that, and if anybody else tells you otherwise, they're lying to you. It's not true. I would love to debate them. But what has happened, I'm gonna go back to Israel because we're facing some things in our community and in America we've never faced before. We had a situation even this weekend in our community that has never occurred in our community before. I'm gonna address that. I'm gonna tell you why it's here and what we must do. Stay with me. So we must go back to Israel to find out what happened because God established Israel and then all of a sudden Israel had gone a tangent and we get detoured. What happened? Well, let's go back and see the pattern. You see, God's, not our God, but God's spiritual principalities and powers attempt to invade nations. And they invaded Israel and they would take Israel off course. And then you see the book of Judges where God would have to come and save them. And then they would they would get saved and then they would return to their ways and go opposite of what God wanted. And what is occurring in America is the same pattern. We have gods or spiritual principalities and demons are returning to high places and groves. And, and this is what they did in ancient times. They would come to the high places, the groves, the ancient shrines and temples. And, but now they are coming to new seats of power in the modern world. They're coming to invade the seven mountains of culture. They're coming to set up their thrones. They, they come upon movers and influencers of our modern culture. These demonic forces come back in disguise. They, 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 they have come as spirits of enlightenment, freedom, power, secular gods, new gods. They start working their dark magic, tempting and seducing, uprooting what was planted, planting what was not, moving ancient markers, breaking down ancient hedges enforcing open ancient doors and gates. These gods are principalities or spirits. Now you have to understand there is a devil and there is a God. <laughs> yeah. 
We are in a spiritual war. I'm telling you right now, if you don't think we're at war, you need to go pray a little bit. You see, these gods, principalities, and powers have, have come and inhabit our institutions, walked the halls of government. They, they have begun to guide our corporations, perform on our stages, teach in our universities, saturate our media, direct the news cycle, inspire entertainment, give voices to our songs. They perform in our theaters, even in our stadiums. They light up television sets. They incite new movements and even ideologies. They instruct our children and initiate them into new ways. They drive rational people into irrationality and some even into frenzy. Now stay with me, I'm getting to the good part. They demand our worship, our submission, and our sacrifices. They are everywhere. They have permeated our culture and they have mastered our civilization and I will tell you why that has occurred. In ancient times, they were everywhere also. Ra of Egypt, Amarok of the Arctic, Kokokon of Central America, Dionysus of Greece, Abatala of Africa, Tiamat of Babylon, these were their names, Bixia of China. They were simply principalities, spirits, and demons. Wherever there were people, there were gods. Deuteronomy 32, 17 says, they sacrificed to demons. Speaking of the children of Israel, they sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know, to new gods, new rivals that your fathers did not fear. Moses here speaks of a people departing from God. They began to sacrifice to what the Old Testament word is, Hebrew, shadim, S-H-A-D-I-M, gods they did not know. In Psalm 106, verse 36, the very same kind of idea, they served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. This is the children of Israel. Because of what happened around them, the nations around them were idolatrous. They had all kinds of gods. God put Israel in the midst of them to change other nations, but instead, the other nations changed Israel. The word shadim is the word to act violently, to lay waste, to devastate destruction. This was a malevolent spirit that would lay waste and devastate and bring destruction. The Greek word is diamonia, which we get demon from. It's a spirit, a principality, an occult god. 1 Corinthians 10, 20 says, The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to daimonia and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with daimonia or demons. Now, stay with me. I'm not... I'm here not to bring a downer. I'm going to bring an upper here this morning. But you have to understand history. You have to understand what we're battling. Don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Spirits and demons. Now, you catch this. Spirits and demons not only possess people, but entire civilizations. Never just, they are never just confined to temples and shrines, but entire cultures and civilizations and nations. They were worshipped not just by priests, but by everyday people, farmers and traders and potters. Cultures came under their dominion. It was civilization possession. Jesus came on the scene, though. This was previous to Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene, and the lame walked, the blind received sight, and lepers were healed. Now, the word that was used for that in the Greek is ekbalo. Ekbalo means to expel, to reject, to cast out, to send away. Jesus encountered demonized person, people and cast de out demons. That same ability of Ekbala was now given to his disciples. The gospel word of God clashed with the ancient demons. 
It was the clash of spirits of the war of the worlds, the war of the kingdoms. If you go to the book of Acts, you see the war going on. Paul cast out the spirit of the woman and there was a violent backlash with her handlers. They were cast in prison, but they were released by an earthquake. God always has the last laugh. Cities became enraged at the preaching of the gospel with signs following. The message of the gospel of God's love and forgiveness overcame the reign of the gods, the polytheism, the pantheism was overcome in Rome and Greece and the world was changed. Life was sacred, women were sacred, were, were to be treated as equal heirs. The poor and weak were created in the image of God, therefore they were honored. Poor and rich were treated as equals. Every life was inestimable, it had a great value, precious in God's sight. Sexuality was to be treated as, as a sacred gift, to be honored and kept in sacred trust of, in marriage. Children were lo, no longer abused or mistreated. Rulers could no longer claim the authority of Godhood. Everyone was subject to God's law. Ekbalo took place in an entire empire, a civilization. That civilization was Western civilization. Everything you see today that is good was entered or was introduced by Western civilization. It was introduced by the Ekbala of Jesus that came upon civilizations and exercised entire nations. Civilizations were exercised. Now we go to the New Testament. Are you with me? Yes. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 44. It said, this is an interesting, I'm, gonna, I'm going to address your faulty theology. In, in uh, Matthew 12, 43, 44, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds the empty swept and put in order. Now, let me read one more scripture. And then it says in verse 45, then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be also with this wicked generation. The last phrase tells us this is not just applicable to individual man. This is applicable to entire nations. I'm going to address your theology here. In fact, what Jesus was saying, it's more applicable to nations than it is to individuals. It's a spiritual principle and a prophetic warning. The last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation, Jesus says. The parable is not talking necessarily just about individual possession, but about the possession of a generation, a culture. Think of it in national terms. Those spirits, now think about this. Spirits don't die. Angels don't die. The, these spirits didn't die. They just roamed the dry places, the desolate lands. They dwelt in the shadows in exile. It finds no rest, so it returns to its house to repossess it. Spirits need a host to possess. Spirits cast out of Western civilization found no rest, no other civilizations to possess. Now they seek to return to their original house, their original culture. Spirits then come back only if the house is unoccupied, empty and, and left open and swept clean. Then the original spirit brings seven other spirits to join in repossession, which makes it worse. This is a warning to America. The only way these spirits could return is if a civilization turns away from God, away from his word, away from gospel, from Jesus. If so, then that which drove the spirits out will no longer be present to protect the civilization when they return. 
a post-Christian civilization will end up in a far darker state than a pre-Christian civilization. A pre-Christian society may give birth to barbarity, by, but a post-Christian society will give birth to ever darker offspring such as fascism, communism, and Nazism. A pre-Christian civilization may produce a Nero, but a post-Christian civilization will produce a Stalin or a Hitler. It is very dangerous for a nation to turn away from God. There are three gods that always afflicted Israel. I'm going to talk to you about them just real quickly, and then we're going to turn our attention to the solution. The first God to return to America when America turned away from God, I want to tell you this, in back in the 60s, something began to happen in America. In 1962 and 1963, prayer and Bible reading was taken out of public schools. We had a 22-word prayer we said every day in school. I did it. I was in school at the time. Most of you don't remember those things. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm here as, a, as, a, as an evangelist, someone telling you this is what, was, what it was like and this is what you must understand. And so it was removed from our schools. It was removed from our culture. Immediately, uh, the sins of, in schools began to ratchet up. There was a movement against, against God and everything righteous. It started in the 60s. It led to rebellion in the 60s. It led to an infiltration of America. The first God to return was a God called Baal. You've probably heard of him. He's, the worship of Baal is one of carnality and vulgarity. Now please, if you don't like this, plug your ears, but this is the reality of it. They, the, a, a, a culture becomes crude in every area. They, it becomes profane. Baal works toward the altering of perception of one God, of one objective reality. Instead, instead, it talks about many gods, many truths, conflicting truths. Culture turns from objectivity to subjectivity. Words are redefined. Have you noticed that? Right is now wrong and wrong is right. Values are altered. This begins the return of pantheism. I'm telling you right now, one of the greatest things that we have to battle against today is pantheism, that everything is God. God is in, God is in nature. Never is nature is God. The physical world is the ultimate reality, though it begins the worship of nature. No longer is nature a gift from God to be stewarded, but it's the ultimate reality. Man and animal become the same. Offspring of animals could now be given rights and protections that millions of human babies were not given. You can see save the whales on a bumper sticker and kill the babies on the other side. I've seen that. Everything is now blurred. It's all confusion. They worship their own creation. They begin to worship technology. Baal entered through an acceptance of new morality and a rejection of God and his ways. God was now driven out of government, public square, movie theaters. Go on, uh, go on your direct TV or dish TV and look at the movies. They're not uplifting. It's all about death and destruction and evil and divorce and adultery, etc. In other words, there was an empty house in America. And the spirits returned. Turning from God in the early 60s, the nation's children now are trained against the ways of God. Nation's school system had become a house of spirits. Everything turned into a house of spirits. But when, when God is removed, the need to worship him still remains. We're all made to worship. So therefore, all things become subject to deification. Substitute gods, replacement gods. No matter how irrational their gods are, 
political correctness, wokeism. It's all irrational. But that's Baal. The second god to return is Ishtar or Ashtoreth. They represent sexuality, love, corruption, war, and destruction. She's called the queen of heaven. She represents breaker of rules, trespasser of boundaries, goddess of prostitution, a seducer. Baal always leads to Ashtoreth. It's a sexual revolution. It's a deification of sex, a goal in and of itself. It is a god to be pursued. It's a god of instant gratification. No, no commitment, no marriage. From true sexuality actually comes marriage, family, society, civilization, and life. That's why the enemy wants to put all that down. But from Ishtar comes seduction leading to intoxication and leading to intoxicating drugs and substances, sexuality, intoxication, and music, which then leads to witchcraft. Are you with me? Now, I'm not trying to bring, I'm just giving you information, and then we're going to hit it. We're going to tell what we can do. This transforms a Christian civilization into a pagan one. Ishtar also led to other things. She was male and female. Though I am a woman, I am a young, noble man. It was to turn a man into a woman. They were joined into one. She was the goddess of transmutation and metamorphosis. This was the attempt to turn man into woman and woman into man. This is the chief hammerhead to smash the biblical foundations of Western civilization. The masculinization of women and the feminization of men. It's gender identity. Men dressed as women read to children their favorite children's storybooks. This would happen as priests in the temples of Ishtar. Today it's happening in our libraries. Ishtar also introduced the sanctification and the enshrinement of homosexuality, acceptance and open practice. Sexuality is removed from the context of marriage and also removed from the context of gender. Everything is interchangeable, making the shocking familiar from tolerance to acceptance. What was formerly illegal would now be celebrated. Stay with me. Homosexuality would lead to a movement away from the Judeo-Christian faith. It was the de-Christianization of America. The transgender movement then came on the scene. This meant surgery to become another gender. Transsexuality leading to transgenderism. If the evil spirits are to alter a nation, they must start with the young. Transgenderism affects young women more than men. Between 2009 and 2018 in the UK, Transgenderism grew by 4,515%. Young women becoming young men. They then try to make all of this normal by hosting carnivals of pride, which we have this weekend. It is a, it's infecting not just the big cities, not just you know, places you would expect, even in places like Boise, Idaho. The third God, to enter the scene was the destroyer Molech called the abomination. They would have to pass through the fire to Molech. Parents would send their children to Molech to, uh, to honor their gods. Josiah, if you read the book in the Old Testament, Josiah, in order to have a revival, destroyed the altars of Molech, the place where children were, were placed in the arms, the burning arms of Molech to be destroyed. John Milton, who wrote Paradise Lost, actually spoke of this. This is symptomatic of pagan culture. It was not safe to be a child in the ancient pagan world. Example is Nazi Germany. 
The biblical alternative is children are a gift from God. Life is precious and sacred. The kingdom of God is the sanctity of life. The value of women, the treatment of the weak, the care of the sick, the worth and protection of children, born and unborn. If Moloch would return to any nation, the latter would be worse than the first. How do I know? 63 million babies killed in, in 50 years in America. Worldwide, it is over a billion. Poor children are more affected than, than, than rich children. The sale of baby parts to help society supposedly to satiate their conscience. Abortion allows women to pursue careers. They created a culture of cannibals, the sacred right of abortion. These gods had deafened the nation to the screaming of their little children on altars to Molech. Now I'm not trying, you, just, you have to understand this. We're facing these three gods. Finally, and I'm almost to the really good part, the new gods sought openness and toleration. Well, watch this. But as soon as they get in, they close the door and seek to dominate. No more free speech, only wokeism and cancel culture. They begin to be intolerant, crushing speech and crushing every person. You must bow down to their gods. This is the way it was in ancient times, in Israel, and now here. The keys of destruction are this. They remove purpose and meaning from lives. Separation from God automatically removes purpose and meaning. The answer, Elohim. Elohim. Jesus is the power to remove darkness. Jesus is the antidote. Jesus is the answer. And it doesn't take long. It takes decades for the evil gods to return. It only takes a day for God to return. So, we're at war. We're at war right now. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. John 10, 10, the Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Notice the three things, three gods, three things that they do. But God comes to bring life and life more abundantly. Satan has loose destruction in our nation because he knows he has a short time. But as kingdom of God citizens, we are known as image bearers. We're made in the image of God. Satan comes to deface us and, and mar the image bearers that God has created. He comes to graffiti our lives and destroy as much as he can. Every one of us in this room have been touched by the negative effects of the three gods that have returned to America in families, even in our own lives, even in our thinking, we must, we must flee from it. It's interesting that everything that God created is being questioned. Male and female, gender confusion, life and death for babies, purpose of life, destroy the education of our children, immorality, everything that God says is yes, the enemy says is no. We must understand the kingdom. We must understand the kingdom. And therefore, I'm going to go to this scripture. You've heard me read this so many times. You're probably tired of it, but it's the key to the whole and uh, everything I've been talking about. Let me go to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Simon Peter, verse 16, answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the antidote to the battle of the worlds. 
to the kingdom of darkness coming against us. Here in this passage, we are commanded to forbid or to permit. That was God's original intent for his people. It is, it is to reign with him and exercise dominion, declaring God's word into the nations. The context is always a king in his kingdom. Jesus did not, now we'll notice this, Jesus did not talk about the church first. He establishes his kingdom first. He preaches the kingdom of God for nearly three years. And then at the very end of his ministry, which is this, he speaks of the church. Jesus came to, first of all, reintroduce his kingdom. John the Baptist and the disciples, they preached the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus came to restart his kingdom. You cannot understand the church until you understand the kingdom. The church is a part of his kingdom. The church is the instrument of his kingdom. The world right now is a mess because we have not understood that the church is to be a ruling and reigning branch of his kingdom. And we come to church for services instead of being the church that will overwhelm society. The church has been minimalized and left powerless and distorted. That has been the work of hell itself. They say, stay inside your walls. No, Jesus says, go outside your walls. The church, church's work is not in the future, it's now. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The answer to all the chaos and confusion in our world is the church rising up to be what Jesus says the church is to be. Amen. Jesus came to start a kingdom and build a spiritual kingdom that would represent him on the earth. His kingdom is real, but it's unseen. He expects his kingdom to rule and reign with him on the earth right now through declaring prayer and worship and taking authority. He expects his influence to enter a culture and change that culture through us being salt and light. Hallelujah. A kingdom is a government that rules a territory, an area, a nation. Jesus is the king, he has a kingdom and he rules a territory. He is the king of heaven but he is also king over the earth. Jesus actually even rules hell itself because he has the keys, which represent authority. Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, so we are in his name to rule on the earth right now. Christ declared the kingdom before he ever introduced his church. Matthew 4, 23 says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Moffat's translation says it this way. He made a tour through the whole of Galilee preaching the gospel of the rain. He begins and ends with the good news of his kingdom. In the Lord's prayer, he says, kingdom come. That's what we're to declare, kingdom come. Kingdom come to our city. Kingdom of God come to our state. Kingdom of God come to Idaho. We abolish all satanic hosts in Idaho. We declare it and decree it. Matthew 7, 20, 21 following says, not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my father in heaven. On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Go away. The things you did were unauthorized. 
In other words, you can't be a part of his kingdom and do unauthorized things. You can't ordain homosexuals. It is unauthorized. You can't say everyone is going to heaven. It is unauthorized. You can't say abortion is okay. It is unauthorized. And I could go down the list. You must preach what is authorized. What we must do is lovingly put God in place and begin to speak and declare and decree what God is saying. Now I'm telling you right now, uh, we don't have enough prayer in this church. We don't have enough decrees. We don't have enough intercessors. Do you know the people come up to me, well, Pastor Ken, I, I know I'm to pray, but I don't have the gift of intercession. Neither do I. No one does. It's not a gift. It's a discipline. And so I'm calling the whole church. I'm calling the whole church. I'm calling the whole church to be involved in kingly ecclesia activity, which is to pray and intercede. Now, I'm, we're going to start doing some things. We're going to start on Wednesday nights. We're going to turn our room, our 215 room into a kingly declaration, decreeing awesome war room. And then we're going to start praying. We're, we're leading up to the midterm elections. We're going to pray for every state, every situation. We're going to believe that God is going to infuse every state in America with the power of the Holy Spirit to turn around evil for good. Can you say amen? amen. So I need your help. Oh, I can get up there and I can pray all day, but it's not going to do any good unless we all do it. So ushers, do you have, if you want to be a part of this, now what I'm going to do, we're going to do some things corporately, but I want to send some things to you. I want to send declarations to you. I want to send things that you will say during the day in your home. I want to do those kinds of things so you can do it at home. Now, let me tell you this. You never address spirits or principalities by yourself. In other words, you don't do that. You only do that corporately in the mouth of two or three witnesses. If two or three of you agree is touching anything on earth, but we need to, we need to establish a new beachhead, a beachhead of prayer that will erase Satan from the memory of the people of Idaho. Our, we, this is our stewardship. Idaho is our land. Boise and Meridian, Cuna. That's our country. I was born here. Satan, you're not going to take it. It belongs to us. Come on, amen. amen. So if, if you want to be a part of this in any way, just lift your hand right now. I, I, want, you to, I want you to take this. I hope we have enough. Just uh, probably one to a family, if you will. Just one, one to a family. And uh, if you would, just, just take this and fill it out and... Uh, Ushers, I want some buckets at the door as we leave so they can put the, this in their, in their bucket. I want you to put your, just, just your name, your email, etc. What we're going to do, we're going to start sending out information to you. Decrees and declares and what we're going to do weekly, etc. We need to upgrade our kingly activity. We, we have to. If we don't, we lose the state. If, if, we, if we lose the state, we lose the nation. Take this, fill it out right now. Fill it out right now. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Did you understand what I was saying today or did I go too fast? Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Those online, did you catch it? We've got to understand we're in, we're in a war. It's the war of the worlds. And guess what? God always wins. 
So let's see the goodness of God come in our midst. Amen? All right. Can you stand with me? I want to close by doing one thing. I want you to repeat after me when I, I'm going to say a few decrees and I want you to repeat it after me. Would you do that? And we're, by doing this, we're decreeing and declaring we're doing what God has said. Amen? Say this with me. We decree every promise of God is ours in Jesus' name. Every good and precious promise of God is coming alive and is now working in our lives. We decree covenant blessings are working in our lives right here and right now. Covenant blessings are active in our homes. We plant them into our city. We plant them into our region. Your rule of law, your covenants, and your word, we lay them as a foundation and we declare Lord, give us those who will honor your word in governmental positions. We decree miracles are being released today in Jesus' name. We abolish all obstacles of delay and we bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. We decree our churches are being filled with the presence of King Jesus and the manifest glory of Father God. We decree that we are receiving fresh power from an open heaven. We decree great deliverance is being released. We declare deliverance from demon bondage in Jesus' name. Lust of the flesh, go. Fear, go. Depression, go. Drugs, alcohol abuse, go. Sexual addiction, go. Pornography, go. These spirits are now bound in the name of Jesus. And we decree all generational curses are broken off of my life and my family in Jesus' name. Now I have a lot more. But we're gonna, what we're going to start doing, I think every Sunday we're going to start decreeing and declaring some things all, all together. we got to do it together. We have to do it with our mouths. See, when, when you did that with your mouth today, you know what happened? Something happened in your heart. And something happened in the atmosphere. Devils cannot stay where God's presence is. Amen? Put your hand in your heart. Father, we just received. We received the anointing of a king. We received the empowerment of a king. We declare, Lord, that we will overcome all spiritual principalities and powers, all the forces of evil that are arrayed against Idaho, against America. We decree that now, God, we loose your angel armies. We loose your angel armies across this land, oh, to uproot what the enemy has planted and to begin to bring about the glory of God in this land. Thank you, God, that you put us here. We are stewards of the kingdom of God. And Father, I pray right now that you would infuse us with faith, with expectation, with signs and wonders, with the power of God. Let signs and wonders follow all of us who believe. And let us turn our world upside down. Lord, we're thankful, Lord. Lord, just in one day, you can turn this thing all around. 
We're asking, Lord, that you begin to move. And in the days ahead, ahead, show your glory in Jesus' name. We thank you for it now. We receive your word. We receive your anointing for the ecclesia. May this ecclesia at Capital Church arise with new favor and new authority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now give the Lord a hand. Thank him today. Just with your, with your heads bowed, let, is there anyone here today who would say, you know, I need to receive Jesus? I, my life is not exhibiting what I know Jesus would have me to do. And I would like to, I would like to secure my, my life in Christ. If that's you, just lift your hand right now. I'd just like to pray for you. That's all I want to do. Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you and declare the awesomeness of God. Anyone like that? Okay, let's pray. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I receive you in my life. I declare you're my Lord and Savior. Make everything brand new and make me a king in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.